The title of what I'm sharing with you this morning is Relationship That Produces Fruit. May I invite you to say that with me? Relationship that produces fruit. Now, in terms of this, uh, it does specifically deal with abiding in Jesus, in fellowship with Jesus, and it also deals with fruitfulness. I am convinced that this word if you will open your heart to receive it from the Lord, I am convinced it can make a dramatic difference in your life. Please turn to the book of John chapter 15. John chapter 15, I'm gonna read from the New King James Version, I'm gonna read verse one to 11, and then we'll jump to verse 16. And Father, thank you for your anointing as the word is declared right now. Thank you for receptive hearts. Our hearts will be fertile soil and we will receive from you and the seed will produce results. We believe that in Jesus' name, amen. So here we are, John 15, verse one. It is Jesus speaking. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's a very beautiful passage of scripture. And in verse one of John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Would you say the word true? true. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Let's just stop there for a moment. Why would Jesus say I am the true vine? Possibly because there are so many counterfeit vines out there. There are so many ideas, philosophies, belief systems that will have you tell, the, will, 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 they will tell you that, listen, if you look to my philosophy, my ideology, then it is gonna be wonderful for you. But there's a lot of counterfeits out there. In these last of the last days, we need to realize more than ever, there are false things, false Christs, there are counterfeits, and Jesus makes it clear. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he has the fruitfulness, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You say, well, God, my life is producing fruit. Why are you pruning me even though my life's producing fruit? God says, because there's more fruit that can come out of your life. Verse three, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse four, he has the invitation. Abide in me. Those are powerful words. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides, yet again that word, in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now you need to understand when God says this, it's actually true. Without me, you can do nothing. I heard a pastor preaching about this one day and he was saying, but you know, uh, but God, all, all these big buildings that I built, what about them? And God said, that's nothing. God, what about all these initiatives that I got into place? God says, you did that in your own strength, it is nothing. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Let faith arise. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Would you realize this? The love that the Father has for the Son is the same as the love that the Son has for us. Please don't doubt that you're loved by God. And it says, as the Father loved me, I have also loved you, abide in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Jump to verse 16, the last verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Isn't the word beautiful? Isn't God's word beautiful? Uh, About six of you say yes. Listen, God's word is amazing. It's incredible. He said his word above his name. Praise God. Please keep this open. We're gonna refer several times, so keep this passage open. Now, as I see it here, there is definitely a clear focus on abiding in Jesus and in fruitfulness. It's very clear. And I believe that this is, listen, on God's heart for us as a congregation at this point in time. I believe that the Lord has led me to speak about this today. I believe that this is not a good idea, that this is the Lord's plan that I would share on this today. So would you hear with your spirit what God is saying? So in these verses, there are many references to abiding and there's many references to fruit. In fact, there are 10 references to abiding. It's almost like one every verse. And there are eight references to fruit. And I'll mention them, it says, bear fruit, bears fruit, bear more fruit, bear fruit, bears much fruit, bear much fruit, bear fruit, fruit should remain. So do you get the idea of what's going on here? It's about abiding and it's about fruitfulness. There are four points I'd like to share with you. Number one, Jesus invites us to a life of abiding in him. Can I invite you to say this out aloud with me? Jesus invites us to a life of abiding in him. And so we see in verse four, it says there, abide in me and I in you. Can I point out to you, this is an invitation. God gives us invitations and we need to respond to the invitation. And Jesus is just simply saying here, abide in me and I in you. In verse four, it says a similar thing. It says, abide in my love. Now I'm thinking this. Aren't we privileged to receive such an invitation? 
Because the God of heaven and earth is not only interested in us, but he longs to walk closely with us. He longs for us to walk closely. This is incredible. The very thing that uh, is, is so amazing about our incredible God is that he wants to be close to you. So if you think that you are not important to God, I wanna tell you that is wrong. That is the influence of the enemy's thoughts in your mind. You are so important that he longs to walk closely with you. Would you hear his heart today? You are important to him. Sometimes we think, well, that other person, they're important to God because you know, they seem more spiritual. But you, every one of us, are important to God. In terms of myself, I can honestly say that I sense the Lord drawing me in these last two or three months more than before. It's like he's drawing me to abide even closer. And he's saying to me, John, don't be so distracted. <laughs> he's saying to me, John, don't be like Martha. Rather choose the better part which Mary chose and it'll never be taken away from you. And I also believe that for us as a congregation that he is drawing us at this point in time. He's saying, come closer. There's an invitation. I want Choose Life Church. I want you to hear. I wonder if anybody can say, yes, I sense the drawing of the Lord. Raise a hand if that's you. I'm sensing God drawing me. Praise the Lord. And he is saying to you, abide in my love. And we say, yes, Lord. Do we say yes? Now, the question is, what is abiding? When you hear the term abiding, it might sound a little old-fashioned. What does it mean? Well, firstly, it's not complicated. It's actually quite simple. What is abiding? In these few phrases, simple phrases, let me describe it to you. What is abiding? It is living in close relationship with Jesus. What is abiding? It is acknowledging his indwelling presence. What is abiding? It is enjoying him. <laughs> what is abiding? It is praying and talking to the Lord. What is abiding? It is fellowshipping with the Lord. What is abiding? It's staying in touch with him. It's not like, yeah, I, I, I have a moment of just saying something to the Lord and three days later I pick that up. No, but there's Every now and again, there's turning your affection to the Lord. What is abiding? It is looking unto him. The Bible says those that look unto the Lord, their faces will be radiant. Lastly, what is abiding? It is resting in him. So abiding is not complicated. It's simple. Maybe we could use the scripture here that he's hidden it from the wise and the learned and even little babes understand it, little children understand it. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a lady called Harriet Stowe. She lived in the 1800s and she wrote a book called How to Live on Christ. She seemed to understand something of abiding in Christ. And in her book, this is what she wrote. How does the branch bear fruit? Not by incessant effort for sunshine and air, nor by vain struggles, it simply abides. Please say the word abides. It simply abides in the vine in silent and undisturbed union and then blossoms and fruit appear as of spontaneous growth. Isn't that beautiful? 
She discovered something of the simplicity of abiding. And in terms of this, she seems to really have understood something and maybe God is wanting you to understand something about abiding today, maybe that you've never understand before and this will be a breakthrough moment, a watershed moment in which for you it's an aha. You begin to realize what is available for you. And by the way, she produced tremendous fruit because if you are abiding in God, the Bible says you will produce fruit. So if there's no fruit in a person's life, then you've got to say, well, are they actually abiding in the Lord? And in the 1800s, she did tremendous work and effort through her writings and through her influence to help fight and abolish slavery. But she was a person that abided in God, but yet she helped to abolish slavery. And the whole thing of abiding in God is, okay, yeah, Jesus is the vine, and you and I are the branches, but what happens is the vine releases life-giving sap into those branches, and that's why we, as God's children, flourish because we receive the sap, the nourishment, the life-giving sap from heaven that causes our lives to firstly flourish and also to produce fruit. There is sap from heaven that comes as we just stay close to the Lord. I wanna read something to you which was written by Hudson Taylor. He was a missionary in China and it's called Abiding, Not Striving or Struggling. Let me read this to you. So, the missionary Hudson Taylor of China was laboring and working so frantically that his health was about to break. There might be people listening to me today and you're at that point. You say, John, my health is about to break. Listen to what he discovered. Just when Hudson Taylor feared that he was near a breakdown, Taylor received a letter from a fellow missionary, McCarthy, who told him of a discovery that McCarthy had made from John 15, our text today, the joy of abiding in Christ. McCarthy's letter read in part, abiding, not struggling or striving, Looking unto him, trusting him for present power. This is not new, and yet it is new to me. Christ literally is the power. The only power for service, the only ground for unchanging joy. As Hudson read this letter at his mission station in 1869, his eyes were opened. As I read, he recalled, I saw it all. I looked at Jesus, and when I saw him, oh, the joy that flowed. A little later, Hudson wrote to his sister in England, and this is what he said. He said, as to my work, mine has never been so plentiful, so responsible, or so difficult, but the weight and the strain are all gone. The last month of my life has perhaps been the happiest of all. And I long to tell you a little of what God has done in my soul. When the agony of my soul was at its height, remember he said he was about to break, a sentence from my dear McCarthy 
was used to remove the scales from my eyes. And the Spirit of God revealed the truth of our oneness with Jesus as I'd never known it before. And really, we need to trust God that today, that for some of us that have lived with scales on our eyes in this respect, yes, we might be like Hudson Taylor. We've been working hard. We've been doing good things for Jesus. But I pray that by the Spirit of God, scales will fall off your eyes and you begin to realize the power of our oneness with Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. The power of our oneness with Jesus. Number two, Jesus is determined that our lives bear fruit to glorify the Father. Jesus is determined. <laughs> he wants the Father to be glorified through our lives. And I, say, I wanna say this, that Jesus definitely wants our lives to be fruitful. Actually, do you know what? It's not okay if there's no fruit in our lives because we were actually created to produce fruit. It is actually part of your DNA and my DNA that fruit comes out of our lives. Now your scripture is still open. Look at verse eight of John 15. It says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much, what's that next word? Fruit. Jump to verse 16. It says there, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Take note of that word appointed. God even says, I have appointed you to bear fruit. You're alive for such a time as this because God has fruit in store that will come out of your life. It's already coming out of your life, but he's got more fruit in store in terms of that. Please say this after me. God wants my life to be fruitful. I will bear fruit in Jesus' name. And if you want your life to glorify God, here is the key. It is stay close to Jesus. That is the key. And then your life will produce great fruit. Now, by the way, uh, Mandri's parents, they live in Australia they have been farming for many years with table grapes for a total of uh, 21 years. Praise the Lord that they actually just sold the farm recently. They've moved to a little hasty sea, a house at the sea, and they are officially retired. Can we just thank the Lord for that? We're so glad. We're so glad because it's, it's the right thing for them. And so in terms of farming with table grapes, on occasion, during harvest time, they would send us a photo of a bunch of grapes. Now, there's lots of big bunches of grapes, but occasionally, you found this humongous bunch of grapes, and they would send us a photo, and we'd look at the photo, and uh, you know, they would be so delighted, we'd be delighted, we wish we could just reach through the screen and get those grapes, you know. I, uh. But anyhow, you know what? That was the whole purpose of farming. They farmed to get fruit. They didn't farm because they liked just the rows of grapes. Oh, this is nice. We like rows of grapes. They didn't farm because they liked the sound of the irrigation that would go on in the evening. They didn't farm because they loved the green, uh, you know, leaves that would sprout. All of those things might have been nice, but they farmed for fruit. They farmed to produce fruit. And God is determined that our lives would produce fruit. 
In terms of the farming analogy, let me tell you, God is in the agricultural business, if I can put it that way. God is farming, and can you imagine how much delight it brings to him when he sees fruit on your vine? It must be, oh, so delightful. Look at the fruit, look at the fruit, and it is glorifying the Father. And the scripture says, the Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. I wanna also say this in terms of the aspect of bearing fruit to glorify the Father. Do you realize that God brings out the best in you, in your life? Krista, are you listening? God brings out the best in you, in your life. And in terms of that, I wanna say that abiding is how we walk closely with God and that produces the best that comes out of our lives. You know, you're a better person when you're walking closely to Jesus. Your family knows you're more pleasant when you're walking closely to Jesus. And so this is also one of the reasons why we wanna walk close to the Lord. But when we get distracted from Jesus, then what begins to happen? We start becoming selfish. We start becoming difficult. We start becoming irritable. And we start becoming grumpy. Is there anybody around you that's grumpy? Can you just point to them right now? Just point and click. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Somebody who nudged their husband right now, just, just say sorry quick. <laughs> and we tend to get grumpy and so on. But now I wanna tell you this. So one of our members... A bunch of years ago, I remember Mandri and I were chatting to this couple, and uh, this man said, well, you know what, I tend to get quite grumpy, you know, that's just the way I am, I get grumpy. And his wife next to him, she's busy nodding away, and she's saying, that ain't no lie, you know what I mean, this is my grumpy. And so the way in which this guy said he gets grumpy, it was almost like he thought this was his spiritual gift to be grumpy. He thought that movie Grumpy Old Men was uh, you know, created for him to model his life on. But I just thought to myself, how sad it is when you get to the point where fruit, which is not pleasing to God, you think it is okay. And you say, ah, oh, forgive me, I'm human. Forgive me, I'm grumpy. God's still busy with me. You know what? Some people need to stop making excuses like that and say, by Christ, Christ Jesus, I will change in the name of Jesus. Stop making excuses for some of those things because the way I discovered Jesus is he changes our lives and he changes bad attitudes into being winning attitudes. And so abiding brings out the best in you. Then there's less grumpy and there's more joyful. By the way, Galatians 5 lists a list of fruit that comes out of our lives. You know it well. This is fruit which comes from abiding, or in Galatians 5, it talks about walking in the Spirit. Whether you say abiding in Jesus or walking in the Spirit, it's pretty much the same thing that we're talking about. And you can expect the following fruit as you abide, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, not grumpiness, gentleness, and self-control. Praise God. And do you realize that your family finds you more pleasurable 
when you're walking close to Jesus. Sometimes you look at your home and you realize, you know what, in the past two or three weeks, there's been like real like undertones of disharmony and so on. And sometimes you need to look right at yourself and say, God, I just wanna put my eyes on you afresh. Thank you that you're gonna bring out the best in me. Point number three, are you still with me, child of God? Number three, sometimes God prunes our lives to increase our fruitfulness. Please say this with me. Sometimes God prunes our lives to increase our fruitfulness. What is the definition of the word prune? It means to trim a plant by cutting away dead or unwanted branches. Now we need to realize this. When there are unwholesome things in our lives that are hindering fruitfulness in our lives, your heavenly Father, the vine dresser, will intervene and he will prune us. Those two words, prune us. Would you say those words? Prune us. He will prune us because he loves us and he wants the very best for us. And look at verse two. Your passage should still be open. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And I believe that we shouldn't see the whole pruning thing as, as terrible, as a negative thing like that. No, I believe we should say, thank you, God. If you want it for my life, I want it for my life. Thank you that you're gonna prune me to make me more fruitful in my life. So I embrace the process. I say, work, Lord, work and have your way. Now, as I understand it, there are three levels of pruning. I just wanna say something very quickly on this. How many of you are familiar with Bruce Wilkinson? He wrote the book, um, The Prayer of Jabez, very well known for The Prayer of Jabez. He also wrote the book, Secrets of the Vine, and uh, Bruce spells it out so excellently, these three stages of pruning in Secrets of the Vine, and uh, he draws it out of Hebrews 12, verse five to six. You don't need to turn there, I'll just read it to you. So, level one of pruning. Everyone say level one. This is where God will speak or there will be a gentle rebuke. And it says in verse five, my son, do not be discouraged. When you are rebuked, that's the first level, by him. Now, an example of a rebuke could be a convicting thought. An example of a rebuke could be a timely word from a person, and you just know that God is saying something to you through that an example of a rebuke type pruning could be a scripture. You come across the scripture and you realize, okay, I need to make a bit of a change here. I've been acting in bitterness towards that person. I need to change. Another example of a rebuke could be in the preaching of God's word. Just as the preaching is taking place, God is talking to you. It amazes me, by the way, how the Holy Spirit does this. A pastor is preaching a sermon, but everybody, the Lord is applying it to their individual situation. And oftentimes, I've had people come to me afterwards saying, you know, you were preaching just to me, but it's not, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit who takes it and he speaks and he applies it. So that's level one, speak or rebuke. Level two is the word chasten. It says in verse five, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. 
What is an example of chasten? It means that you can get to a place where there's a deep distress within you. You get to a place where there's a, a real frustration and it's really bugging you. You get to a place where you realize that something is not right in my life, something in terms of what the Lord is speaking to me about and God is chastening you, that's level two. And then the last one is level three where the word scourge comes in. The word scourge essentially means pain. Now, John, are you saying to me that God will even use pain in our lives to bring us back to fruitfulness? And I'm saying, yes, yes, yes. This is what God says. Don't look at me funny. This is in God's word. This is what he says. And he does it to bring us back to fruitfulness. Now, this doesn't mean that any pain that you're experiencing in your life is because of level three pruning, not at all. But sometimes it is. The Bible says that God scourges every son whom he receives. It is part of sonship. But by the way, at this level of pruning, level three, where there's scourging, where there's pain, at this level of pruning, you are actually living in open, unrepented sin. You are living in a place where you discard what is right and you say, I couldn't care. I'm tired of doing what's right. I'm just gonna do my own thing. And God says, you know what, even in that situation, you my child, I'm gonna work in your life and I'm gonna bring you back to fruitfulness. But you know, in terms of pain, <laughs> here's the thing. Everyone hates pain, but it sure gets our attention. C.S. Lewis says the following, God whispers through our pleasure, but shouts through our pain. However, let me just say this that if you will listen to the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit, you will hardly ever need to get to level three pruning because you're listening and obeying. You're listening and responding. And so that's why I encourage you, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and respond accordingly. Can I get an amen? amen. But in terms of all of this, in terms of the pruning, remember, that God prunes and he disciplines those he loves. He will never discipline or prune in anger, but only with the greatest of love. Do you know that? Do you understand his heart? Because he wants to bring you back to fruitfulness. Please say this after me. When God prunes me, he does so in love. And it leads to abundant fruit. The last point, which is a brief one. Ultimately, a life of abiding leads to deep and lasting joy. This is what God's word says to us. How many of you can say by a show of hands, John, I really desire deep and lasting joy. Raise a hand if that's you, okay? Wonderful. Now look at verse 11. This is the last time we're gonna look back at this passage this morning. It says in verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now folks, can you just think about that for a moment? Doesn't that sound good? Come on, come on. Doesn't that sound good? Jesus is saying my joy is gonna be in you and that your joy is gonna be full. I wanna tell you that we experience great joy from abiding in Christ. And I'm here to tell people today 
that have felt that their joy has been at a low level in the name of Jesus, I cancel that thinking and that mindset that's caused you to settle for a low level of joy and I speak the release of the joy of the Lord upon every one of the children of God today that Jesus' joy would be in you and that your joy would be full and that they would be overflowing. I speak it to you. I speak it. I release it over you in the name of Jesus. And you know, in life, when things are tending to go well, we, we feel great. And in life, when things are, are challenging, going a little bit more difficult, we tend to feel down in the dumps. But I believe that true joy, because it comes from God, is not thrown off course by the ups and the downs. True joy is steady. Why don't you say that with me? True joy is steady. And true joy comes from a close relationship with Jesus, from abiding with Jesus. A last statement I wanna make is this. Abiding is one of the greatest keys to a blessed and a happy life. The Lord is drawing you. The Lord is drawing you. May I invite you to stand? We've said today, number one, Jesus invites us to a life of abiding in Him. Number two, Jesus is determined that our lives bear fruit to glorify the Father. Number three, sometimes God prunes our lives to increase our fruitfulness. And number four, ultimately, a life of abiding leads to deep and lasting joy. It leads to happiness. It leads to deep and lasting joy. And there's a song, and this is the song. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. One of the other verses says, loving you. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you more. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing. Let's sing it one more time. Loving you, the greatest thing in all my life is loving you. The greatest thing in all my life is loving you. I want to love you more. I want to Thank you for today. Thank you that you've spoken to our hearts. 
Thank you that we have been refreshed in your presence. To you be all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand of praise, please. Hallelujah.